Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources. Each year, millions of prescriptions are written for pain many of them powerful opioids that can cause side effects and lead to addiction. But there are alternatives to opioids that are increasingly being prescribed, including non-drug remedies such as massages and acupuncture and chiropractic care. Here to talk about the role of chiropractic care in treating pain is Dr. Pat Ensminger from Warren, Ohio. Dr. Ensminger graduated with the highest academic honors from Palmer College of Chiropractic Care in 1988. He's the president of the Eastern Ohio Chiropractic Society, and he's the co-chair of the Ohio State Chiropractic Association Opioid Task Force and is the recipient of the 2017 State Chiropractic of the Year Award. So welcome, Dr. Ensminger. Well, thank you very much, Greg. It's a pleasure to be on your program. Okay. So, you know, many people probably don't understand chiropractic care. In in layman's terms, what do you think people should know about it, and why is it so important as an alternative to traditional pain relief? Well, first and foremost, I, I believe that the public should understand that a doctor of chiropractic is a physician, just as a medical doctor is a physician. Now, we belong to two entirely branches, different branches of healthcare, but we are both uh physicians. We're able to diagnose and and treat conditions. Chiropractic is the largest, most regulated, and well-organized, drug-free, and I emphasize drug-free, healthcare profession in the world. Chiropractic physicians um, are able to evaluate and diagnose all manner of conditions and provide effective, drug-free treatment of Uh, some of the most common conditions that our public faces, such as lower back pain, neck pain, uh, pinched nerves, such as sciatic, which is pain radiating down the back of someone's leg, Uh, injuries sustained in auto accidents, work injuries, sports injuries. All of those are the domain of chiropractic care and are the drug-free, surgery-free domain of chiropractic care. But one of the reasons why pain pills have become so popular is they're fast-acting. Chiropractic care, though, in my experience, hasn't been particularly fast-acting, at least not all the time. You know, given the choice, I think most people would probably choose fast pain relief over that healthy pain remedy. So how do you overcome that? Well, I have a little bit of a thought to this, and, and and I would like to stress that, first of all, you know, we're couching chiropractic as being an alternative pain relief method. So I'd like to discuss what we mean by alternative. In my mind, an alternative means that the mainstream approach is effective and that the alternative is being put out there as another choice for the consumer. So I I would take a little bit of an issue to saying that treating pain with drugs is effective. Uh, When you consider that drugs are a relatively perilous path to go down to, 
for chronic pain. You know, somebody that has back pain that is never going to go away and might be taking, well, even an over-the-counter medication such as uh, ibuprofen or aspirin can cause terrible healthcare consequences as taken chronically. And then to get to the main issue here, opioid medications can cause terrible, as we are aware, ramifications if taken on an ongoing chronic basis. So that leads me to responding to your question. Uh, it is true that in my experience, my average new patient really hopes that I'm just going to get them better on that visit right then and there. And how often is that true? I would say that's rare. I would say that the typical chiropractic patient may be looking at a 6 or 10 or 12 treatment treatment plan. And But uh, nobody has ever died of addiction to chiropractic care. Uh, and I say that because you have to consider the risks and the perils of ongoing use of medications when you consider chiropractic care. It's time for a culture change. Americans have been conditioned to, to demand instant gratification. Uh, patients expect to be better and out of pain in one visit, even though it probably took them years to, to get to the state they're in. Um, so in many cases, a medication might provide immediate short-term relief, but continued use can be dangerous. Uh, so this opioid crisis is a perfect example of that. Um, so I think that needs to be taken into account. Our profession is extremely effective, but I would, I would not at all deny that it's rare to have instant gratification from chiropractic care. And we have a lot of other tools in our toolbox. I can, I can do deep tissue massage. I can uh, do kinesio taping. I can apply uh, uh, you know, other therapies and provide, provide them maximum possible relief on that initial visit and get them back to work in a hurry, which is another thing we chiropractors are very good at. So speaking of the risks, I, I read a stat recently that as many as 25% uh, or, in other words, one in four patients who receive prescription opioids long-term for non-cancer pain in primary care settings struggle with addiction. 25%. That's, that stat is huge. So I think it underscores how important finding alternatives to opioids really is. So, but why, then, isn't chiropractic care talked about more out there? Why isn't more, it more prevalent and, you know, top of everyone's mind? Well, we can go back to what I said about a culture change. Uh, uh, my profession, the chiropractic profession, has been providing effective, evidence-based, non-drug care for over 100 years. And yet, uh, what makes us alternative health care is that despite that 100-plus years of serving the community, we only at any given time perhaps treat 7 or 8% of the community, uh, when as much as 85% of the population is likely to have a condition that would be well addressed by a chiropractor at some point in their lifetime. So what we're seeing is that we're not accessing the percentage of the population that we should. My explanation for that, uh, the United States is one of only two nations in the world that allow drug companies to publicly advertise on television, etc. And we have many decades of extremely effective, uh, very high-dollar media advertising directed towards the public, directed towards the medical community, directed towards insurance companies, uh, by drug companies. And the result has been a nation that has become the largest consumer of prescription drugs in the world. 
we Americans consume, I think, as much as twice as much prescription medications as the next developed nation per capita. So if it was true that drugs made us healthy, then why, according to one World Health Organization study, are we 37th ranked in health uh, in, in the world? Uh, so if I was to be given an enormous what if, the what if would be what if instead of an alternative, chiropractic care were mainstream for back pain and neck pain and headaches. I would argue that you and I would not be sitting here talking about an opioid crisis if the public had been conditioned for the past hundred years to seek this type of care instead of that type of care. I would love it if they were the alternative. Uh, and that if I threw up my hands in despair and said, I'm sorry, sir, conservative care is simply not answering this for you. I think you should try some medications. We'd live in a healthier world. Uh, another example, uh, North America consumes 90% of the world's opioid medications, and yet North America is only 5% of the world's population. So obviously, we have a culture within our continent that enables us to be an enormous consumer of, of medications. Uh, in my viewpoint, that's very wrong. There are effective alternatives out there, and they should be uh, pursued. The other why... Uh, I mean, for the last 30, 30 years that I've been practicing, I can tell you that I'll see a news piece that discusses a lot of positive benefits of chiropractic care, and then almost without very, to the point where I laugh at it, almost without fail, at the end of the news piece, the reporter will say, so if you're interested in chiropractic care, make sure to ask your medical doctor first. They may as well have not run the piece, because if you look historically, there's been a disconnect between the medical community and the chiropractic community, and it is very rare for a medical doctor, though that is changing now, uh, for a medical doctor to refer to a chiropractor. So when the media says these wonderful things about us and then suggests that they go to see their medical doctor, they've essentially just taken it right back to the medical doctor saying, well, here's a prescription. You might as well just do that. Uh, but here in our state, you're at the forefront of changing that narrative, aren't you? You've got a collaborative effort that you're working on with Mercy Hospital to kind of change it whereby you'll be involved with the ED directly. Describe that. I, uh, our task force was formed last year, and at the time, um, you might wonder, well, okay, chiropractors are a drug-free profession, and yet they have formed an opioid task force. And the motivation was exactly what we've been talking about. We felt that if we could create a sea change in culture towards seeking non-drug care first, that it's true that we may not necessarily be helping those who have already become victimized uh, by dependence and addiction to opioids, but we might stop entire generations from going down that road. And if you look at right now what is happening in the hospital and medical community, the, the big approach now is, is something called alternatives to opioids, or ALTO. It is, it is an approach that says, okay, so opioids are bad for this condition, so now let's give them this for this condition. And speaking as a chiropractor, though I have to say, I think those efforts are admirable because they are trying to eliminate opioids from the picture, and that is the good news. If there's a little bit of bad news, speaking as an outsider, it's that we're basically just dropping back, for example, gabapentin, a medication that was commonly used in the past and kind of got abandoned because the, the opioids became the new wonder child, so what do we do when we decide that opioids were an enormous mistake? We go back to gabapentin or, or uh, uh, 
injections of trigger points with lidocaine or any number of different approaches. I'm not suggesting these approaches aren't effective, but we're replacing one drug with another. And all we are suggesting as a chiropractic profession is that we belong within that alto strategy, that we are should be given first consideration for a number of conditions. As we formed the task force, we believed we would only be educating the public and members of the media. And then we realized that the Joint Commission, which is the body that regulates hospitals, that provides them accreditation for Medicare and Medicaid, and is therefore necessary for a hospital to be Joint Commission accredited, they recently, in effective January 1st of 2018, issued a mandate that hospitals must provide education to and access to non-drug care first before opioids are, con are considered for a variety of conditions. Uh, and we thought, oh my goodness, what an opportunity to take our message and instead of just putting it out to the public, to put it out to the hospital community and say, here we are, we're an answer to this joint commission mandate that you're supposed to be following because we'd be happy to work with you and provide drug-free turnkey programs that enable you to recommend this type of care. And I have to commend Mercy Hospitals for being one of the very first groups to jump on this and say, that seems like a good idea. And we are working with Mercy within my region, which is the Youngstown-Warren region. Uh, we have a group working with St. Rita's Mercy Hospital over in Lima, Ohio, and we have another group working with Mercy Hospitals in the Cincinnati region. So I'm very proud of Mercy for jumping out there and and, uh, and looking at this as being a very real alternative. It shows that they have a, a motivation to try to reduce opioid prescribing. So um, from a practical matter, how does the multidisciplinary team work together to manage pain? Um, in an environment such as that? How would that work once it's all together? How would, what, what would it look like? Well, okay, there's a number of models that, that could be approached. The, the one that uh, that is probably the easiest to do turnkey is uh, a patient presents to the emergency department of a hospital, and they're presenting with lower back pain, and the emergency doctor recognizes that this is probably not some red flag tumor or fracture or dislocation or gross trauma. And historically, at that point, the emergency doctor would prescribe a, perhaps if you look at the last 10 or 15 years, a, an opioid prescription and tell that individual to follow up with their family doctor. Well, the new model is, first of all, not going to be providing an opioid prescription, but perhaps something a little less intrusive and probably just as effective, such as a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory like Motrin 800 milligrams or something like that. And then the patient is going to be given the option to either follow up with their family doctor or go to a chiropractor, which we would populate a list of participating chiropractors on referral to the hospital. And the hospital would say, here's the doctor of the day. Would you like to schedule an appointment with this one? Or do you want to see your family doctor first? And then we would also try to communicate with the family doctors to make sure they understand that this option is available to their patients. Uh, that way, we're not disrupting the hospital system. Uh, we would also like to have chiropractors as part of pain management teams within hospitals so that when they go in, uh, perhaps they're receiving chiropractic care so that they need less of the injections, less of the opioids, less of the other medications that a pain management team might be providing them because they're also receiving non-drug care. We believe we would impress a pain management team at a hospital if we were providing chiropractic care to their patients. Uh, there are orthopedic and neurologic programs where maybe the patient has already been approved for a surgery, but uh, the complication to their 
total hip replacement is that they're having a lot of active back pain. Well, the chiropractor on staff could go ahead and address that back pain and clear it first so that the patient is ready to have a surgery. Uh, so there's so many uses, and we feel if, if chiropractic care became part of mainstream health care, that mainstream health care would become much more effective. So you provided to me a, a document that kind of outlines some of the uh, evidence behind the uh, chiropractic care, and it's the clinical and cost effectiveness of chiropractical uh, spinal manipulation, and this was a synopsis of it. So it's a recent report, and, and I just wondered if you might be able to speak to, from a high level, the patient successes that were outlined, as well as, I, I think it was really fascinating, the cost study and the cost potential savings there. Yeah, I, I, I first of all, I have to guiltily admit that, uh, that even though I presented that document to you, it's one that I've been giving to physicians and hospitals and other people so often that it's sort of faded out. It's, it's in my background is this is good stuff, you should read it. But the last time I probably opened this document was months and months ago. Uh, but, for example, you commented on the patient's success with chiropractic pain relief. Well, that, that, uh, that portion of my evidence-based document that I use, which is authored by two outstanding physicians in the state of Illinois, um, Dr. Bertelsman and Dr. Steele, uh, uh, it cites, first of all, a consumer report survey. That uh, and Consumer Reports really does their homework. They they have a very large database that they use when they when they survey people, and their questions are as non-leading as possible, so that when they come up with an answer, hopefully it's a real answer. And the Consumer Reports survey provided extremely favorable patient outcomes for chiropractic care, both from the standpoint of results for the complaint, and another big one is patient satisfaction with the physician. Uh, a kind of a unique quality of doctors of chiropractic that we get complimented on all the time is that we are far more likely to take additional time to educate our patients. Uh, uh, a doctor of chiropractic is likely to educate on lifestyle change. Here's the exercises you should do. Here's a healthy diet. Uh, you need to take part in your health care. And, and this goes back to a question you asked me earlier, Greg, which is uh, for the individual who wants a quick fix, uh, let me at least have a consultation with this individual because I may be able to change their thinking. I may let them know about the perils of thinking about a quick fix and make them understand that they need to take personal responsibility for their health care. So in a, in a patient success format like the one that the Consumer Reports study did, uh, we ranked very highly because we take the time to educate our patients and make sure they're part of their health care success. So this report um, covered the patient success for lower back in treating lower back pain neck pain, as well as headaches. And uh, needless to say, it was, it was glowing on all accounts. The costs, now let's talk about their cost study, uh, because it was pretty dramatic, the decreases in, in costs there, uh, when compared in three different categories, when compared with in-hospital costs, ultimately, uh, by using chiropractic care, they were able to decrease the overall cost uh, by 60%. And outpatient, they were able to decrease costs by 62%. And then final, finally, the uh, pharmaceutical costs overall, uh, they decreased those by 85%. So pretty dramatic, a compelling economic case, I would say. I, I agree. And it, it's perhaps not intuitive. You might think, well, when a pill might cost a few dollars, how is a, a visit to the chiropractor's office, which might be $60 or whatever it could be, going to be cost effective. But you have to take 
the whole back pain issue, and you have to take it as a population, when so many of these back pain issues lead to surgeries, uh, to prolonged use of medications, to prolonged off-work time, uh, to prolonged physical therapy requirements. So when they factor in all these cost arguments, what they're doing is saying that this is what it really costs when you utilize the medical system to treat these conditions, whereas a chiropractor is likely to go solo. In other words, even though we can work as a multidisciplinary practitioner and work with a team approach with other doctors, more often than not, we can take this patient on and give them a treatment plan of a, a month or a couple weeks or whatever it takes and have them say, marvelous, I you got rid of my episode or you got rid of my condition. There's another benefit that a chiropractor has that isn't enjoyed by every physician. Because of the incredible safety of the care I offer, I have the opportunity to take a patient and say, I'm fairly sure of your diagnosis, but I'm not 100% sure of your diagnosis. So let's try a few treatments and see how you respond. And if we have a favorable outcome, then everybody's happy, even though if we didn't 100% nail that diagnosis down. Now, if I'm a surgeon, I can't say, hey, I'm not sure of your diagnosis. Let's try a few surgeries and see how you respond. So again, the fact that a chiropractor can use treatment as a way to rule in or rule out diagnosis and decide if other, another cost savings of chiropractic care is that we can start with the inexpensive treatment option first and rule out the expensive MRIs and orthopedic and neurologic specialty consultations only if the chiropractic care is not providing the benefit we hoped it might. So there's a huge cost savings there. Start with the cheap stuff first. So, Doctor, you've been practicing for many, many years, and I'm sure there's probably a couple of uh, success stories that just stand out in your mind. Do you care to uh, share one or two with us? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, the problem with asking a 30-year practitioner that is that uh, after this many years, the success stories become one big amalgamation in my mind, uh, and sometimes you're your I wish I would have done better are the ones that end up standing out more, where I, I, I lament over someone that I wish I could have helped more. Uh, so let me just step back and, and think of uh, a, a gentleman that was scheduled to have back surgery. And for, I think because, of, and again, like I said, it's rare for a medical doctor currently to refer to a chiropractor, though that trend is changing. So our referrals are often... Uncle Bob or dad or mom saying, hey, before you do that, I want you to go see my chiropractor. So we receive community referrals. And uh, and I believe this gentleman who was scheduled to have a back surgery, uh, and this was some 15 years ago, uh, uh, was told to come see me first. And uh, and I evaluated him. And, and I'm not saying this is a standout case. This, is, this happens in my office all the time. And I believe within three treatments, uh, the pain radiating down his leg had dropped by 20 or 30 percent. He was able to straighten up. Uh, he had been told that he wouldn't return to his job. And within a couple of weeks of care, he was functioning well enough that I suggested to him that not only should he uh, approach the, the surgeon and ask if, we, if uh, he could be reassessed for need of surgery. He was determined by the surgeon that he no longer needed surgery. Is that correct? That's right. And I have to commend the surgeon in that case because, you know, a lot of times there's a little bit of, hey, I said you need it, so you're going to get it. And, sure. and it didn't happen in this case. He had a follow-up visit with the surgeon and said, look at my outcome. And I think he brought up the chiropractic care. The doc might have blown that off a little bit and said, oh, I'm sure that's coincidence. But nevertheless, uh, 
Uh, the surgery was ruled out. Uh, I was able to return the gentleman to his job. Uh, the underlying success story. That's great. Yeah. He still does need care from time to time, but he's a success story. That's fantastic. So I want to pivot here for a second. The uh, Ohio State Chiropractic Association Opioid Task Force is also conducting educational lectures to high school and junior high students throughout the state. Um, and you're talking about the dangers of opioid use and the drug-free alternatives that are available. Share a little bit about what that program's all about and how a school system might sign up for it. Well, I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to discuss that. And uh, one particular member of our opioid task force is the primary author of that, a doctor in the Canton area, Dr. Ron Bargo. Uh, and he's created a wonderful uh, uh, PowerPoint lecture. Uh, there are others of that type available. And the contact information regarding the Ohio State Chiropractic Association that we will share with you uh, would provide high schools and other groups that would like this program uh, to reach out and ask if it could be provided to them. But what makes our educational efforts unique is that if you look at a lot of the opioid education that is going on now, it is county task force showing up and teaching students how to administer Narcan to an overdosing family member. And I'm not saying that there isn't a place for that type of education. But again, the, the chiropractic message isn't about what to do with a person struggling with addiction. It's about what to do to never create an addict. And our education program follows the same, uh, the same thing. We talk about uh, having a sports injury and not going and receiving medications uh, for a period of time to try to rule out the need of surgery, but going and receiving active physical care, chiropractic care, physical therapy, acupuncture, any of the non-drug uh, ways of approaching these things. I would argue without perhaps scientific backup, but, but close to it, that 85% of the time we can take an injury of any sort, uh, an injured student, and give them what they need without considering medications. And our education programs are just essentially trying to educate students that there are non-drug ways to approach this. And also to give them perhaps something that's lacking in other, other educational programs, which is what is the history of this opioid crisis? How did it begin? And that history is being given from the perspective of somebody that is outside of it, that isn't maybe part of the genesis of the crisis, but is looking at it from the outside saying, what happened here? And so I think we have a very unique perspective, and we are, you would not believe the student reaction to our programs. Uh, so, so it's a great thing, and we certainly invite the educational community to reach out to us if they would like us to be a part of their program. Well, Doctor, I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, what, uh, what final thoughts would you have about what you'd like listeners to take away from this podcast? Well, I, I would like uh, people to understand uh, that yes, I understand that chiropractic is considered alternative care, but that's a label that only reflects the small percentage of the population that makes use of us. Uh, I don't believe we should be alternative. I think we deserve mainstream because we are safe and because we're effective. I think that understand that the medical community has been conditioned for 3,000 years since the ancient Greeks to address health by treating disease with drugs and surgery and that there are healthy, drug-free, surgery-free options available to them. That's what I would like your listeners to understand. Okay. Well, once again, Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. We've been visiting today with the co-chair of the Ohio State Chiropractic Association Opioid Task Force, 
and the recipient of the 2017 State Chiropractic of the Year Award, Dr. Pat Ensminger. My name is Greg McNeil. I'm the founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.